hard for me to believe. It may not be hard for you, but it's been hard for me to believe that five years ago next month, I, it was the first weekend of December 2012, five years ago next month, I started preaching verse by verse through the gospel of Luke. There are kids in our church that think the Bible only has one book. I was thinking of all that we've seen in those five years, and it is a lot as a church. We've seen some tremendous things, some, some powerful works of God. We've seen a lot of people get saved. We've seen lives that are changed, and I can think of story after story, all the many baptisms, great events in the life of our church, great times of fellowship, a lot of great times over the course of those five years. Honestly, there's also been some hard times, and we've gone through some difficult roads, some difficult paths that we have travel. There's been some hard events, some hard funerals, and there's been some hard times during those five years. I was thinking about yesterday as I was preparing about myself and all that I have been able to see in those same five years, all that I've been blessed with by God. And I'll just tell you, I've seen some great, great times. I've seen things that I could never have imagined. If you'd asked me, would these things have ever come to pass? Things I could have never imagined. I've been greatly blessed. And I've seen some hard times and also some times that I could have, could have never imagined. And I can tell you through all of that, and maybe it's just the markers of time, but through all of that, God has been faithful. And all the way, God has been faithful. As we have moved verse by verse through Luke's account of the good news of Jesus, and we need to understand what, what the gospel of Luke really is. It is his Account of the good news of Jesus. It is his actual historical record of the life and the teachings of Jesus. It is amazing all that we have learned. It is really astounding all that we have seen from his birth to his baptism and, and his temptation to the, to the start of his public ministry, the call of the, the disciples and the training and the teaching of those disciples, his words and, and his teaching. There's nothing less than astounding all that we have covered. Really, it's been unimaginable, all of the things that we have seen going verse by verse through this gospel. And now today, we find ourselves with Jesus 25 miles from Calvary. Where we pick up today, Jesus our Lord is 25 miles from his death on a hill outside of Jerusalem called Mount Calvary. And it is here at this juncture that Luke records three final episodes before Jesus gets to Jerusalem. Now, I can't imagine that, 25 miles from Calvary. I can't imagine the anticipation. I can't imagine the urgency. I can't imagine really the seriousness that is in the air. What would you say 25 miles from the cross? Well, these accounts, God has revealed to us, these three accounts now 25 miles from Calvary. Today, first, we're going to look at the declaration that makes the difference. The declaration that makes the difference. It's the story of blind Bartimaeus. The declaration that makes the difference. Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43. Luke chapter 18, again today, verses 35 through verses, verse 43. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. 
Luke chapter 18, beginning here in the 35th verse, it says this. As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now, hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him. Verse 41, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we come recognizing you as our Savior, recognizing you as, as our hope, proclaiming today you as our King our Savior and our Lord. We, we come today and I, as we've gathered as the church, we're thankful for your hand of faithfulness where you've walked with us, where you've never left us alone, where you've been with us through hard times and good times, where you're always trustworthy and you're always faithful. I'm thankful that in your word, recorded also in faithfulness, also because it's trustworthy, we hear, we see the good news of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray today as we hear, I pray today as we read and as we study that it will be revealed to us. I pray that our hearts will be changed today. I, I pray for folks that are lost today, they might be saved today. I pray for saved folks that we would grow closer to you today. And I pray that there will be a supernatural, God-glorifying impact in the preaching of your word. Lord, we tell you how much we love you, and we praise you, and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Let's go very quickly back to our verses this morning. Let's start today with verse 35. Verse 35, and it says, As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now, see the picture here. Jesus, the Bible has tells us, has left Galilee. He has come and traveled down. He's now crossed the Jordan River for the final time. And here today, the Bible says he is approaching Jericho. Now, it was interesting to me that this Jericho is a new Jericho. If you remember the Old Testament Jericho, it was destroyed and it lays in ruins. Well, this Jericho was built by Herod the Great and it, it stands here in the first century. The hub of this new Jericho, this city, is two miles from the ruins of the old Jericho, Joshua's Jericho. And I think about that. How, how amazing is that? Just in setting up the context, how tremendous is that? Jesus walks by the ruins of the city that was his people's first stop there in the promised land. And there are those ruins which point to the faithful deliverance of God. And he walks by as the faithful deliverer 
of God. How, how awesome that is, just setting up the context. Very, very awesome. This Jericho is about 25 miles, again, from Jerusalem. It is all uphill from there. In fact, it is a gain. It's a climb of about 33,000 feet in this last 20 miles. It is also interesting to me in Matthew chapter 20, it's the account of the same story, the account of the same happening. It says in Matthew chapter 20 that they were going up to Jerusalem. And so we find here they are literally going up 3,000 feet. They are going up to Jerusalem. And as they approach Jericho, the Bible says a blind man was sitting by the road begging. See the picture. A blind man there by the roadside. He is sitting there and he is begging. Let me add to this picture. As a blind man, this man was counted as cursed. Now people saw him not only as blind, not only as handicapped or, or somehow less than, but they also saw him as cursed by God. The fact that he was, was blind and their theology and their understanding meant that he had some kind of sin problem or maybe somebody else had this sin problem and it was God's judgment upon him for this sin that he was blind. And so this man was not considered just blind. He was also considered cursed by God. Verse 36. Now, hearing a crowd was going by, he began to inquire what this was. Now, we have to get this here in verse 36. You see, in the weeks and the days before the Passover, tens of thousands of Jews made their way to Jerusalem. They made a pilgrimage there to Jerusalem to observe the Passover there. Well, this would have been a major route traveling to Jerusalem. In fact, it may have been the major route, the major road on the way there to Jerusalem. And so he is sitting by this road. He is sitting there to be by many people, to be by the, the most amount of people. It is a very strategic move. At this time, they're making their way. It is a highly traveled road. And so he is very strategic in sitting here by this road. Well, the Bible says it is working because there is a crowd going by, either for safety or for convenience or maybe even just for companionship. As these multitudes traveled, as, as they made their way, they caravaned in grouped. And this blind man here hears the ruckus, he hears the commotion of a passing crowd, and the Bible says he was inquiring what it was. The verb tense here, the Greek verb tense, means that he began to ask what it was, but he repetitively asked what it was. He was sitting there, and he's blind by the side of the road, and as he hears the commotion of the crowd going by, he begins to ask, what is going on? And, and what is going on? And he hears them going by. Who, who goes there? Who goes there? What is going on? Verse 37. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. He asked, what's going on? He asked, who goes there? And someone says, Jesus of Nazareth. 
Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now understand, Jesus was actually, I think sometimes we forget this, but it was actually a very popular name at this time. It was a short form of the Hebrew name Joshua. It was given to many Jewish males, and it was a very popular name at this time. And so see here in this answer, it is clarified, it is specified here, this Jesus is Jesus of Nazareth. And so again, they, they are very clear in saying Jesus of Nazareth is going by. Also understand at that time, Jesus of Nazareth was a well-known name, would have been a very a popular person. People had heard all about Jesus of Nazareth at this time especially. They had, they had heard of the claims that he had made and they had talked about it. Did you hear what he's teaching? Did you hear what he's saying? They had heard of all of his teachings and, and he teaches as one with authority and, and we heard him and we heard somebody else that, that heard him teaching. More than that, they had heard about his miracles and, and maybe countless others from the, from the other events had seen these many miracles. And, and so they're talking about, did you hear about this healing? Did you hear about this event? Did you hear about this miracle? And so there is a great interest in Jesus of Nazareth. There is a great buzz about Jesus of Nazareth. They're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And so here in our picture, here comes another group by. Here comes another crowd of Jews making their way to Jerusalem. And here this guy finds out in this group is Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 38, and he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by and he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Greek verb here for cried out, and this is gonna be important, means to shout. It means to holler. He hears that Jesus of Nazareth is, is passing by, and so he hollers out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See this, son of David is a title. It is a name given to the Messiah. It was a title. It was a name given to the Christ, God's anointed Savior. Now, understanding the Old Testament, it says that the Messiah would be from the seed of David that the Messiah would come and he would be a descendant of David. And so the title son of David is referring not to just any descendant of David, it is referring to the Messiah. That is, that is the title. The title son of David referred to the one who would come and fulfill God's promise to send a deliverer. See this. This blind man begging by the road this blind man considered cursed by God knew that Jesus of Nazareth, the one that was walking by, he believed Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. Listen to me today. This is the declaration that makes the difference. Listen, this, that is the declaration that makes the difference. You see, the difference is in what he calls Jesus. The difference is in what he calls Jesus. Where in verse 37, 
They call him Jesus of Nazareth. He, in verse 38, calls him Jesus, son of David. Now, listen, get ready. This is going to be good. In these two titles, they held different meetings. In these two titles, they had different understandings. You see, when they called him Jesus of Nazareth, they thought that his start was out in a stable. But when he called him Jesus, son of David, he was professing that he was eternal, the alpha and the omega with no beginning and no end. You see, when they called him Jesus of Nazareth, they thought that his beginning was there in Bethlehem. But when he called him Jesus, son of David, he professed in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You see, when they called him Jesus of Nazareth, they were referring to Joseph's son. But when he called him Jesus, son of David, he professed to the crowd, behold the son of God. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. You see, when they called him Jesus of Nazareth, they thought that he was on the way to celebrate the Passover. Oh, but when he called him Jesus, the son of David, he professed that he was the lamb of the Passover. He professed that he was not remembering the blood over the door, but he was going to Jerusalem and he was gonna be the blood and the door. And this blind man there begging by the road Hells the crowd as they walk by with Jesus. You're walking with the promise of God. You're walking with the Savior for sin. This Jesus is the son of David. Our Messiah is here and you're traveling with him. And 25 miles from Calvary, the Lamb, is walking to the altar. His declaration is the difference. Notice this man's request here. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Remember that. Have mercy on me. Verse 39. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Literally translates here, they were telling him, be silent. Those that were passing by with him were telling him, be silent. The pressure of the crowd was telling him, be silent. The pressure of the crowd, even those with Jesus, they were telling this man, be silent. But it says here, but he kept crying out, All the more. Son of David, Messiah, have mercy on me. He kept crying out all the more. It's a different Greek verb here. Whereas in verse 38, the Greek verb is to holler or is to shout. Here in verse 39, the Greek verb is to to shriek out or to scream out. Now what's the difference? See the picture. It's a big picture here. You see, when he knew who Jesus was, when he knew that he's the Messiah, he hollered out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But as they continue on, as the crowd continues to move, as they tell him to be silent, he begins to shriek, he begins to scream. You see, this is the cry of somebody who's desperate. 
This is the cry of someone with nothing left to hold on to. This is the cry of, nothing left, of someone with nothing left to hope in. This is a man with nothing left to lose. His sight is gone. His pride is gone. And so he's eager to receive his sight. And with nothing else to lose, he begins to shriek, Oh, the Messiah, have mercy on me. You see, if he passes by, he has no mercy. You see, if he lets him go by, his hopes are ended. You see, if he gets by and the Messiah passes him by and he, he wasn't able to get his attention, if he wasn't able to flag him, he sits there and he's blind and his state is doomed. And so with nothing left to lose, he begins to shriek out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Here's a good question. How do we approach him with anything less? How do we approach Jesus and, and somehow maybe become apathetic to him? How do we approach Jesus and make it some comfortable setting? Maybe it's because we believe we've got a hope somewhere else. This man didn't. Maybe it's because we believe we've still got a pride that matters. This man didn't. Maybe it's because we think we have something better to still hold on to. And this man didn't. I want to tell you, neither do we. The cry of a lost man, a person that's lost, separated from God, and the reality of understanding who his Savior is, we shriek out, Messiah, have mercy on me. How would we respond any differently? Verse 40. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him. Stopped in the Greek means this. Stood still. Picture it. Jesus hears. And the crowd's still making noise. They silence, silence, you blind fool, silence. But Jesus, the Savior, hears. And he stood still. Can you picture that? That blind man can't see it, but he hears it. He stood still and he says, bring him here, bring him here. Verse 41. Jesus says, verse 41, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. Now look at this very slowly. I want you to hear that again. What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. Upon Jesus asking this man, what do you want me to do for you? Think about that. To all the other thousands of people, all of those crowds who had passed by, he had asked for money. Do you have any money? Do you have any change to spare? And he sat there as pitiful as he was and said, maybe I could get a little bit of money. Or he said, maybe, maybe I could get some food. I'm hungry here and I have, I have nothing to eat. Maybe you could give me some food today. But to Jesus, he says, I want to regain my sight. What that means is this. At one time, he could see. See how broken his heart was? At one time he could see. 
At one time, he could see the beauty of the world. At one time, he could see the blue there in the skies. At one time, he could see the sun as it begins to come up. At one time, he could see the golden rays of the sunset when it goes down. He could see the beauty of the world. He could see his family. He could see the people that he loved. Maybe he had kids, and at one time, he could see their little faces. Maybe he had a wife, and when he came home, he could see the beauty of his wife. At one time, he could see... So he says, Lord, make me like that again. Lord, I want to see again. Lord, make me like I was. Verse 42. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And it literally translates, has made you well. He knew who Jesus was. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And Jesus says his faith made him well. Listen to me this morning. 25 miles from the cross, 25 miles from the tomb, Jesus says it is faith. It is faith in him. It is faith in him as the Messiah, the deliverer, the Savior from God. This is how anybody of any age will ever be made well. It is in faith in Jesus Christ. Dear friend, where's your faith? Is it in Jesus? If you put your trust in him, I want to tell you he's the way. He's the truth, he's the life, he's our hope. If we have any hope, where's your faith today? This man was made well because it was in Jesus. Verse 43. Immediately he regained his sight. Whoo, how awesome. Think about that. He regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. Understand that's how it works. He was saved not because he got good enough. He was saved not because he did some work. He was saved by faith that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, he is our hope, he is our Messiah, and then saved, he gets up and he doesn't go back to the old stuff. He begins to follow Jesus Christ and he worships him with all that he is and he praises him and people see the response and they give praise to God. Twenty-five miles from the cross, it is the declaration that makes the difference. What is yours? What is your declaration? Who is Jesus to you? Maybe you wouldn't call out because of your pride. Maybe you wouldn't call out because you still think you got something that's worth holding on to. Maybe you wouldn't call out because you think, you know what, I've got some hope and if this doesn't pan out, I'll find it somewhere else. I'm gonna tell you the truth is, that doesn't exist. What is your declaration today? Who is Jesus to you today? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today And I'm thankful for my Messiah. I'm thankful for the Lamb of God 
that trudged his way past the ancient ruins of Jericho, remembering God's faithful deliverance, but walking as the deliverer. I'm thankful for a Messiah that passed through the crowds, but crowds he knew would soon turn on him. Crowds that would soon try to silence him. He walked anyway. I'm thankful for my Messiah that walked these last 25 uphill miles to go to a cross that I might be made well through faith in him. Lord, I'm thankful for a blind man who sat there on the roadside in the dirt and professed, this is our hope. May we follow his example. Lord, I pray for folks in this service that do not know you. I pray that today they'd take a stand for Jesus Christ. I pray that we would stay to the, to the world and to each other. We profess with our mouths what we believe in our heart. Jesus is our Lord. He's our Savior. Help us to be bold. I pray for some that may need to make decisions in this hour that you'd move in their heart. The hindrances would be removed. They'd make decisions for you to your glory today. I pray for us as believers here today that we would become bolder, that we would become like blind Bartimaeus, we would know there's nothing left to hold on to here, no pride that's going to matter. And we would begin to shriek out, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior. Help us in that. Lord, I pray during this time of invitation that you'd move freely. I pray that decisions be made to your glory. We lay this at your feet. We tell you we love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.